This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. actually sit on Steve's lap or not. It's a possibility. I won't. Well, um, where do you think we should start this year in the Word? At the beginning. I agree. Should we turn to Genesis 1? Um, Always good to be back at the start of the year. Great sense, isn't there, of um, having been rested and refreshed. Now it's, it's all about just re- aligning ourselves a little bit, and um, this morning and next week, I want to share a a couple of things that will fit together, and um, vitally important, by the way, just, if I could just um, make a slightly different announcement to Richards, no life groups on the week of the church meeting, with the church meeting will be what we do that week, what we all do that week, so I think that's a, that's a better arrangement than make a choice. Um, and um, I, I trust that you are starting this year with, with great expectation. I know uh, for me there's a, there's, a, there's a real sense of a huge um, weight of, of a promise, of, of prophetic word of promise that, that is unfulfilled still, um, partially fulfilled, and that God has so much more for us. Andy Larkham just came up in said to me in, in, the, in the downtime there, he said, a real sense of, of a coming of age for many people this year. Richard Pemberton shared with us that, that scripture about continuing in. And so we have all these things and we're holding them all in, in tension together. And, and um, I believe that what we, what we ultimately see this year will depend to a very large extent on how we see things. And um, what I mean by that is, what is our view of the world? Because that, set, that kind of that world view, which I just want to say more about in a minute, will determine how we pray. It will determine how we embrace opportunities and situations we find ourselves in this, this year. How we view the world, how we see the world. And um, those things will be really, really important for us. And I want us to look in a minute at how God reveals the world to us. How God sees his world. This idea of having a worldview. How many of you are familiar with that phrase, that word, worldview? You know, it's one of those things that we're never quite sure what people mean by it. But, But I want to use that word this morning to describe the way we see and think about the world. The, the collection of the beliefs that we have about life, about the universe, our perspective on life, how we see ourselves, how we see our purpose, our destiny, how we interpret world events, how we see our life in our workplace, in our communities, how we use our time, our concept of how it all fits together, our beliefs as to what shapes things, what frames things, 
our outlook, our orientation. And, and even as I just try and describe that, I trust you're realizing how important those things are. Um, and everybody has a view of the world. Everybody has a worldview of some sort. And of course, there are many different views of the world. There are humanistic viewpoints, secular viewpoints in which there is no God. And um, man is just made of matter and material and, and has evolved to the highest uh, amongst the species. And, and the goal of mankind is just happiness on this earth. That's one view of the world. There are views of the world that um, would be called sort of spiritist, where everything is determined by multitudes of spirits and gods and demons, and, and, and men and, and women are, are somehow at the whim of, of these spirits. There's, the, um, there's the, the popular postmodern view of the world, in which um, human beings are just really the product of, of the setting that they live in, the environment they live in, the culture that they live in, and, and that everything is, is relative and personal and individual, and there's, there's not really any universal truth, except that we must be tolerant of everybody, inclusive, and not have our own uh, sense of my truth is the right truth. There's, all, there's that view of the world. And then um, there's a view amongst some Christians, which I want to call an apocalyptic view of the world, that everything that happens is kind of a sign of the doom and destruction to come. What an encouraging way to start the year. <laughs> but, you know, these things really matter because um, I, I believe this year we will um, face some great challenges. Um, but there'll be great new chapters for us as well. And we will face some unprecedented opposition, but also unprecedented opportunity. And our faith will be challenged, and our view of Scripture will be opposed. Our beliefs in the Spirit will be ridiculed. Our commitment to be a radical kingdom community will be despised by some people. But this will be a year of great harvest. Great growth. Great advance. I love that verse in the book of Acts where it says, nobody else dared join them. Nevertheless, more and more people were added to their number. And these things will happen together, I believe. And I'm sure you have a sense of that as well. New challenges, new chapters... New opposition, but new opportunities as well. And, and for all those reasons, the way we um, see things really matters. And I trust that, like me, you want to see things the way God has revealed them to us. Genesis chapter 1 is probably the most important book in, chapter in the Bible. And if we could turn there, we'll read this together. And I want to um, share some some truths, some principles in here that I think will really help us this year. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. 
And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that's what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens, and God called the space sky. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the second day. And then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that's what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas, and God saw that it was good. And then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. And these seeds will then produce the same kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. And their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. And then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them mark off the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day, and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. And God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created the great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good and then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce Every sort of animal, each, produ each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that's what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. 
And I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. And then God looked over all he'd made, and he saw it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. We'll pause there. It's a great chapter, isn't it? I don't know whether you regard it as poetry or literature or fact or truth. Um, we'll come back to that in a moment. But um, I see some things in here that I believe must shape our view of the world. And the first is um, right at the beginning. In the beginning, God created our earth and our universe was created by God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Colossians 1 tells us that. And if I believe that, my entire perspective is changed. My whole view of the world is immediately framed in something that tells me that God pre-existed. Tells me that he is creative. Tells me that he has a plan. He has a purpose. Tells me he cares. Tells me he loves. If I believe the first five words of the Bible, in fact, if I believe the first four words of the Bible, it immediately puts me at odds with every humanistic evolutionary philosophy and worldview. In the beginning, God created. My worldview immediately begins to take shape. It means God is good. He is awesome. He is spectacular. He is abundant. He is magnificent. He's far above my understanding. He's bigger than the universe. It means there's meaning and it means there's purpose. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. Colossians 1 verse 15 My Bible is falling to pieces. But Colossians is in this third section. Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God and He existed before anything was created. And He is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers. Or th- you know, there's a whole load of things that have been created that we have no idea about yet. Everything was created through him and, and we'll come to this, for him. Everything was created through him and for him. 
If I believe that in the beginning God created, it means he's creative. And he has a million ways of meeting any need that I have, of opening up any opportunity to me. It means that our creative God has a wonderful creative plan for you this year. That starts to shape my view of the world. And then here's the second thing. In, 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 the, in, the, in the first day of creating, verse 3 says, he separated the light from the darkness. Goes on to talk about the creation of the sun and, and, the, and the moon and the stars, and we'll come back to those in a moment. But he does that to separate light from dark. To separate day from night. Part of God's first creative act was to make a distinction, to make a judgment, to make a separation, and to separate light from dark. And that is an eternal principle. He's still doing that. He's still separating. He's still distinguishing. He's still distinguishing light and dark. And he tells us that we are salt and light in the world. He's still making that distinction. I believe the light will get brighter and more distinct. And light always dispels darkness. And so those things feed into my view of the world. The God-revealed view of the world. God separates light from dark. And then thirdly, look at this in verse 26. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Isn't that amazing? That should change my view of things. God made me to be like him. God made you to be like him. You need never, ever, ever doubt your worth, your value. Your abilities even, your skills, your God-given talents. God made you to be like Him. This is awesome. You've been made in the image of God. You've been created to be like Him. To be just like Jesus. To be whole and healed and anchored and secure and confident and bold and courageous. To be like Him. And to be a source of those things for others. We'll come back to all these things. Here's another thing I see in this opening chapter. Every living thing was created with the ability to produce after its own kind. Do you remember that as we went through? Seeds in the seed-bearing plants, able to produce other things of the same seed. Animals able to reproduce after their own kind. It's an eternal principle. Everything produces after its own kind. It's, um, it's possible, it's inevitable that we produce, reproduce after our own kind. You are able and capable, and in fact, it's almost, it is inevitable this year that you will reproduce after your own kind. And I don't mean just biologically, although that may happen for some of us. Praise the Lord if it does. 
But there's a reproduction after our own kind that God intends for us this year. He made you in His image. He's now saved us and restored us to be just like Him. To have our sin washed away. To be cleansed. As Richard read to us this morning, to be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. To be able to come into His presence again. To be close to God. And He gives us the ability to produce others like that. Offspring. He wants you to re. He wants you to reproduce this year. Some of you older men have a, have a twinkle in your eye at the, the very thought of it. To produce offspring of the same kind. Look at this then in verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and govern it, and reign over the fish, the birds, the animals that scurry along the ground. God bless them. God doesn't curse you. God blesses us. God blessed them, and said, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and govern it. Here's another eternal principle. God blesses us, To be fruitful. We have all that we need. We're blessed to be fruitful, blessed to multiply, blessed to fill the earth with others in the image of God, with others who are our spiritual offspring. In John 15, verse 16, Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory that you are fruitful that you produce fruit, that you, uh, you, we have offspring. It's to God's great glory and honor that we bear much fruit this year. Sixthly, the seven of these, over and over again it tells us God saw that it was good. It was all good. It tells me and it shapes my view that our Creator is good. Everything He created is good. God is good, all he does is good. He never inflicts bad things. His original creation was all good, and although the fall has brought fault lines into the mix, God, the creator, is good all the time. And the last thing I want to point out is this, that every day was marked with an evening and a morning, with a sunset and a sunrise marking each new day. God is the creator of new days, of fresh starts. God is the creator of new dawns, of new things. And every new start, every new day involves the going down of the sun and the coming up of the sun. And I know some of us are experiencing tough times And will do this year. But each new day is a gift from God. And He's with us every day. And at the start of this new year, we can truly, and some of us need to truly experience, the going down of the sun. And closure on the old things. 
and a fresh sunrise into a new day. So I read Genesis 1, I see these principles. I believe this is far more than Moses' best guess as to what happened. It's far more than an ancient story. It's far more than a wonderful piece of poetic description. I read it as I believe it's meant to be read, as an awesome account of the plan and purposes of God, of the principles and ways of the Almighty, as an entirely accurate and true account of what actually happened. That's how I read it. Of what happened thousands of years ago, and that it contains some really vital principles, eternal principles for us. God creates. God loves. God separates light from dark. God's people were made to be like Him. God's people can reproduce others of the same kind. We're blessed to fill the earth. God is good. And it's a new day. That's a great framework to have for our new year, folks. And when I put all these things together, I find this is my... Well, for me, this is my thrilling worldview. First of all, I believe the universe was created for the earth. You see, it tells me in, in verses um, 14, when it talks about the lights in the sky... I'm not trying to um, express a, an infantile astronomical view of things. I'm expressing the revealed heart of God for us. God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate day from night. Let them mark off the seasons, the days and the years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day, the smaller one to govern the night, and he also made the stars. And God set these lights in the sky to shine light on the earth. What a wonderful perspective. The earth isn't some distant, irrelevant, um, um, minuscule speck in a vast galaxy, universe, whatever those gigantic expressions are. The earth is the center of things. The cosmos was created to serve the earth. And then secondly, the earth was created for the man. The man will reign over the fish, the birds, the livestock. The biblical picture is is clearly that the man was in charge of the earth. The earth is the epicenter of the universe because it was created as the environment for the man. Who was made in the image of God. The the earth was the environment in which Adam was to fulfill his mandate. And just as the universe was created for the earth, so the earth was created for the man, and the, the heart of the universe is the earth, and the heart of the earth is the man. Because the man was created for God. And God's mission. Let us make human beings... To be like us. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Adam, you see, was God's representative, God's agent, God's ambassador on the earth. 
and was given authority to represent God, to rule and to reign. Adam was a man with a mission and with a mandate created to work in partnership with God, created to fill the earth, created to continue what God had started, created to come of age, created to complete what God had started, the filling of the earth with men in His image. In John 15, Jesus says, when you produce much fruit, You are my true disciples, and this brings glory, great glory, to my Father. Now this, folks, is how I choose to see things. The universe was created for the earth. The earth was created for the man, and the man was created for the mission of God and the glory of God. God has a master plan. God has a masterpiece. The universe, the earth, the man, the whole of creation is ultimately here for the sole purpose of outworking God's plan to fill the world with his people. This is the origin. This is the genesis. This is the formation. And you say, well, what's this got to do with what we're doing here in the Midlands in 2015? Well, absolutely everything. It affects everything. It's the backdrop to everything. It empowers everything. Because here in Genesis 1, we find all we need to live fruitful, productive lives this year. We've discovered that the universe is God's. We discover that the earth is the Lord's. We discover that the man was made in the image of God. We discover that we're at the epicenter of it. And it's not that it's all about me or all about you, but there is a sense in which we are very significant because we're here as God's representatives on the earth. I choose a biblical worldview. Therefore, I see everything as God-centered, as missional, purposeful, intentional, The sun, the moon, the stars, the planet, all our surroundings are here to provide the backdrop, the environment for me to fulfill the mission of God. I think Paul had that perspective, didn't he? He talks about about all these things that haven't been revealed and now now how they've been revealed to me and, and God's whole purpose is to reconcile Jew and Gentile. He puts everything in this cosmic dimension. And I know we're starting big this year, folks. But if we can start with a cosmic dimension, it will help us with all the small details. Everything was created for God and His purpose. For the man to fulfill the mission. I believe in a great harvest. I believe in the triumph of the church in this age. I believe in a glorious bride. I believe Jesus will return for a church, a bride made ready and radiant. I believe in the restoration of all things. I'm not sure I do believe the earth will disappear like snow. I don't believe we're about to face the great unknown. Just to take issue with some of the theology in some of the songs this morning. Before Steve does. (laughs) I believe the church is the hope of the world. 
I believe we're the most significant people in our community. Some of you weren't so sure about that. You weren't sure whether that was too much. I believe we're the most significant people in our communities. I believe all nations will come streaming to us. I believe we have sufficient hope and healing and health for a hurting world. I believe in the power of the Spirit. I believe in the truth of the Word. I believe we will build up and branch out. I believe we will soon be a thousand members. I believe we're becoming a haven of health. I believe we have all we need to do all He's called us to do. I'm a believer. A believing believer. Some believers don't believe. I hope you're a believing believer. I know I'm in good company. And because of that, because of a biblical perspective, because of a worldview that sees God central and God's representative on earth being empowered to fulfill the mission of God, I can really embrace some of the things God's said to us lately. See, this is, this is how I see it, folks. God's left us responsible for a patch of planet Earth. God's left us responsible for, for a small part of planet Earth. And everything else in the whole universe, the whole cosmos, is geared towards us fulfilling our mission in our small part of planet Earth. That's my worldview. I believe everything is conducive to enormous growth this year. Everything is conducive to the mission of God being fulfilled by God's men and women. Reproducing after our own kind. Understanding that everything He's placed is for us to fulfill His mission. We've even got moonlight so we can do it at night time. We've got starlight so we can do it at night time. We've got sunlight to do it in the daytime. We've got days and, and nights marked out so we can get enough sleep in between all our doing. God's prepared everything for us to fulfill His mission. God created, God loves, God separates light from dark. God's people were made to be like Him. We can produce others just like us who are just like Him. We're blessed to fill the earth. It's all good. And this is a new day. And there's so much word hanging over us. There's a sense of unfinished business. That's fine. God didn't tell us it had to be done by December the 31st. We're coming into the new year. There's unfinished business still. In John chapter 4, and and next week I want us to look at this, and, and next week we'll be really practical about what some of this means in very practical ways for us. But in John chapter 4, when Jesus is, is alone with the woman at the well, and the disciples come back, and um, he says that my food, my nourishment, comes from doing the will of God, who sent me, and from finishing his work. I believe that, that must shape us this year. A food, a nourishment that comes from doing the will of God and finishing His work. We have all that we need to see 
the words for us fulfilled. We've all that we need to be distinct. We've all that we need to be light separate from darkness. We've all that we need to reproduce after our own kind. We have the Word. We have the Spirit. We've all that we need. We have the promises. We're His agents. We're His representatives. We, we, we are men and women with a mission and a mandate. And everything is conducive to you and I being totally, utterly fruitful and fulfilled in 2015. I hope that is your view of the world. I hope you're not existentialist, postmodern, natural, material, secular. I hope you believe that everything in your world is conducive to you being totally, utterly fruitful in 2015. Your environment is designed for you to succeed. Your work life, your family life, your home life is all conducive to you prospering in the things of God. Next week, we'll look at John chapter 4 together. In the meantime, I'd like you to do three things. Okay, so if you can't remember three things at once, write them down. Number one, I'd like you to go to God in prayer and go to God in the Word. And um, this will sound a bit crude the way I'm going to say this, but it's just the phrase I felt would be most helpful. It's not rude, it's just a little bit. I'd like you to ask God to turn a switch on inside you that will make you more stirred and passionate about his plan and purpose than ever before. We're just asking the Lord how to, how to encourage you in your prayers. That, that's what I felt to say. Ask God to turn a switch on inside you. It's not that those things don't exist, but ask God to turn a switch on inside you that makes you more passionate about his plan, his purpose, his will than you've ever been before. Now, equally, we have to work with God in that. It's not that God's going to do something if you're not cooperative. But go to God and express your hunger, express your desire, and ask him to stir you. God loves answering those kinds of prayers. Secondly, would you read John 4? The story of the encounter between Jesus and the woman, the Sumerian woman at the well, and ask the Lord to share his heart with you. Those two things are probably enough, but I'll I'll just add a third one. Ask him how, how you can play your part in the greatest ingathering we will have ever experienced together. Amen. Ask the Lord to show you how you can be playing your part in the greatest ingathering we will have ever, ever experienced together. It's harvest time. Jesus ends that, he speaks to the disciples in uh, John 4. He says, uh, you know the saying, one plants and other harvests, and it's true. I beg your pardon, wrong bit. Um, 
35. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. So there we go, folks. Just thought it'd be good to begin in Genesis 1. I urge you to change your view of the world until it fits with God's. I've not been trying to give you a, a lesson in space science this morning. I'm encouraged when Brother Roland amens, because he knows a lot more about the universe than I do. But I believe everything, everything has been created and built to enable us to fulfill the purpose of God. Lord, I want to thank you this morning that you have a grand plan, a great purpose. And Lord, I, I pray and I, I ask you, Father, this week to stir every one of us. May we find ourselves, Lord, strangely stirred, caught with things that perhaps passed us by before. May we find ourselves looking into the night sky and believing that everything was designed to enable us to fulfill your purpose in this earth. Father, I pray that as we ask you to turn a switch on inside us, Lord, we will become aware of a great passion for you and your, your world, Lord, that you love so much. Thank you, you love the world so much that you sent your Son. I pray that the, the heart, the burden, the compassion that moved you to do that will increasingly flood and fill our own lives. We thank you for the words you've spoken to us of great growth, of great multiplication, of great change, of great ingathering of the wild and the wealthy and everybody in between, Lord. And we pray that you will give us such a heart, such a burden, Lord, that you find it easy to work with us this year. There's nothing in our thinking, nothing in our approach, nothing in our theology, Lord, that will hinder what you want to do through us this year. I want to thank you for the integrity of your word. We believe it, even if we don't always understand it. We believe your word, Lord, is ultimate truth. To thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live in us to make the word alive to us to give us revelation. I want to pray this week, Lord, you'll bring much revelation to us, Lord, as we ponder these things. Father, we pray even this week men and women will be saved. We'll have the joy of reproducing spiritual offspring. To pray, Lord, that you will bless us this week with many proofs. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.